Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. As we worship, assignments have been released. As the words were released this morning, they were assignments. They were declarations of what God's going to do in the future. But there were also assignments for us to live out. There were assignments for the angelic who are going to perform those words because those words came from God. Those words came from heaven. And those people that came with those prophetic words, they have seen something or heard something or sensed something of heaven that then translated into words. Then they came and released it. So what they're doing, they're releasing heaven on earth. And that's what we're called to do as humans. We're called to release what God has given us through worship, through revelation. And we are recipients of that. We lay hold of that in us and then we release it. And then the angelic of heaven make it happen. Glory to God. And in that revelation, God does creative stuff. He gives people songs. He performs healings just like that. You know, I've seen someone's leg grow. Someone that was walking on crutches came into the meeting with crutches and they threw the crutches down and started to dance. They've never done that for years. That's what God can do in the midst of our worship when we believe. And this place is no different. And God wants us to function as he functions in heaven. This is what he gave to Adam and Eve in a garden. You know, I... I was reading Genesis again this morning and it's so unique, the relationship that God created with Adam and Eve in the garden. It's amazing. And I started to see it from a different perspective because the garden was an extension of heaven. Worship was the principal thing. And God created Adam breathe life. When I speak about Adam, I'm speaking interchangeably about Adam and Eve, by the way. If I say him, I'm also talking about her. Because God created them equal, but above every other created being and thing. So we are special and unique in the eyes of God. We are separate. And God created us for relationship with him. And in that relationship with him, he has work for us to do. You see, in, over in Genesis, I think in Genesis 2, it says that God created a garden and he planted, he planted the garden. So he put all the stuff in the garden, all the various animals, all the creepy crawlies that we don't like. And what he did was he put Adam in there to work it. And in that work, what Adam was supposed to do, what God, the command that God gave to Adam was to reproduce and do the things that I've given to you. And here are the boundaries of Eden, but I want you to extend the boundaries and fill the earth and subdue it. And quite often, 
we tend to think of that in relation to children. And God was speaking of more than children. He was speaking of, Adam, take all that you have here, all this worship, all this revelation, and now extend the borders of Eden to fill the entire earth and subdue the entire earth with the worship that you're releasing into the earth so the whole earth will come back and praise my name. Subdue and fill the earth. Replicate heaven on earth. And that's why we have a special relationship with God that no other creating being has. Animals don't carry the presence of God. We do. It's deep on the inside of us. So we were made for worship and work. And the relationship that God had with Adam was amazing. So reading Genesis, God brought all the animals. And let's just try to have a flash of the amount of animals that there are on earth, the number of species. There's thousands. I remember from being in a bird park, there were 4,000 species of bird in this bird park. Now let's just think about all the other animals that exist on the earth. So God brought all these animals to Adam. And God said to Adam, name them all. That sounds like hard work to me. That's a lot of work. But that's what Adam did. So we are created for work. So Adam and Eve lived in perfection. They lived in the garden. And it was beautiful. Continuous worship happening. Adam's working and Eve. They were planting. And God would come and release his blessings and favor so that there was increase. Because God is a God of increase all the time. That's in his nature. But something happened. You see, we're not created for conflict. God didn't put that into the design of humans. So when we have arguments or conflict or warfare, our bodies respond negatively because our bodies were never designed to handle it. That's why when you have excessive stress, you become ill. That's why when you have sickness, you become iller. Because our bodies aren't designed to carry it. So there was a serpent who had a conversation with Eve and, you know, ate the fruit and things went pear-shaped for all of us. Even to this day. You know? From Genesis, God spoke to the serpent. Um, in Genesis 3, 15, 15 and 16. And there's something about God that he always makes known the very end from the very beginning. That's in God's nature. So he spoke to the serpent um, and he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That was the beginning of warfare on earth. And this warfare is still happening today. But within us is still the aspect of worship. And God never changed that for us. We were designed to worship, the Bible says, in spirit and in truth. As we started this year, that's right, I'm just jumping around my notes. We made some powerful declarations. We said 2023 
is a year to break free. We said, I'm turning the page. I'm breaking old cycles. Some of us sang it. Some of us danced about it. Some of us cried about it because of where we was. We declared it to each other. We declared it to ourselves. For some people, it was a quiet meditation of their heart. But it was still a declaration. And I believe God is going to continue to honor this declaration that we've made. It's been happening time over time. But we're only in the eighth month of the year. And God has so much more for us for the future than what we've been through in the past months. So I believe that today is a, a journey and a summation of all the messages, all the words, all your declarations, all your giving to come to a point where God is going to cause breakthrough. And some of that breakthrough will be instant and creative and others, for others, it will be a journey. But you're still going to break through and you are going to see the promises of God. I'm excited about that. I'm excited for me because what God is going to do in my life and I'm excited for you because I'm going to get to hear your testimonies confirming what God has done. So, we're in war. We're in conflict. How do we war? We know how the world wars. They make all these machines that explode, kill people, lots of noise, very destructive. But war, from a heavenly perspective, is entirely different. War, from heaven, and for us, is about obedience. Obedience to what we hear. So the people that came and released the word this morning, they were obedient to what they saw, to what they heard and what they perceived. That's warfare. Through sacrifice. Giving up some stuff. In Proverbs 11, I think, I normally relate this to giving, an offering or whatever, but it's much more. When we give Jesus something... What we do, we create the capacity to receive. And so he doesn't want us to hold on to things. Because if we hold on to it, our hands are full. So if Liz tried to give me something now, unless I released my hand, I couldn't receive it. And that's what God wants us to do with our lives. He wants us to let go of some stuff that he hasn't given us, given us. Because some of us, we've picked up some stuff along the way. You know, life can be hard. And we've picked up stress. We've picked up some illnesses. We've picked up some attitudes. We've picked up some ways from our family, from our friends that aren't altogether great. But God wants you to give it up. And as you give it up, God is going to exchange that for you. That's essentially what happens on the stock market. You trade. And God wants to trade with us. Today and every day. So. Testimony of mine. Um, as you, some of you will know, I'm into photography. And 
I got back into photography about seven or so years ago. Um, and I was in London on a, doing a fashion shoot. And um, we went into a church so the models could get changed. It was Holy Trinity Brompton. Some of you will know it. And um, they were preparing for an event that was taking place later that day. And um, one of the media guys saw me with my camera and he started up a conversation and he said, do you mind if I pray with you? He didn't know I was a believer at that point. And I said, yeah, sure. So he prayed and released a prophetic word over my life. And the word was something along the lines of, you will capture God's beauty on earth. Yeah. And as he said those words, I heard the words that you're going to capture covenants taking place on this earth. And that's marriages. Yeah. So that was the prophetic word I, I got about seven, six and a half, seven years ago. Um, so what did I have to do? I had to war for that word to come to fruition. So it meant that I had to sacrifice my time. Um, I had to give into that area of photography. I had to get training. So I went to different various places, um, joined social media, looked up some prominent photographers, and I started following them, and they became my unknown mentors. So they didn't know about me, but I knew about them. Yeah, And I followed them, and I followed them. Um, so I invested time and money, and um, there were four real prominent photographers, highly rated, award-winning, um, in Birmingham, in the Birmingham area, that I started to follow. And um, as I gave my offerings, I named my seeds. Because in Genesis, God gave Adam seeds. And I wanted seeds of photography in weddings to grow in my life. So as I gave my offering, I used to name it. I named my seed. Because when a farmer plants, he knows exactly what he's going to get. There's never any confusion. It would be impossible for a farmer to plant the seeds of a cucumber and for daffodils to turn up. So name your seed. And do it until you see the evidence of it. Because that's what God wants us to do. God spoke and things happened. That was the evidence. The proof of that we have is in the Bible. Because the Bible says it was so. So, um, as part of my sacrifice, as part of my work, because God put us here to work, I then went out and I'm doing jobs for different people. And I tell you, God sets things up for you that you can't do yourself. He will send you what I call destiny helpers. And these destiny help helpers will come along into your life and just open a door. Yeah. And all you got to do is step through it. And you're on the other side. So, I had a man who's a highly rated video um, producer. And he rang me about the blue. And he said, um, I've got an event. Um, the client has purchased a complete package from me. And I need a photographer. And I said, yeah, cool. So, <clears throat> I did the work for him. Um, and he loved it. And he said to me, so when I delivered the package to him, he said, you're really good, you're blessed. This guy's a believer, by the way. And, um, and he prayed for me. This was a number of years ago. So um, about three weeks ago, maybe, I got a phone call one Sunday from a number I didn't recognize. 
And then I got a text message. I didn't answer the call at the time. Um, got, a, got a text message. Hi, Darren, this is XYZ. Give me a call. And that name was one of the top four photographers that I'd followed on social media many years ago. So I thought, what on earth could he want with me? How does he know my name? How does he get my number? I've never spoken to this man. I've seen him from a distance in real life, but I've never, ever spoken to him. As far as I'm concerned, he has no idea who I am. So I called him on the Monday, and he said, hi, um, blah, blah, blah. I was given your name by the video guy. And he said, I heard you're good. I've had a look at your website, and I've checked out your character with some other photographers who know you. And he said, your character is good. So I want to have a meeting with you because I have an opportunity that I want to give you. So next week, I'm shooting for him, doing a wedding. And that wasn't because I orchestrated anything. That was purely God opening a door for me. And he wants to do that for you. But what did I do? I warred for the word that I received. Now this man knows my name. And he said to me, if you produce good stuff, I'll put you on my list of second shooters. So I said to him, who else is on your list? It was the other two people who were rated as the top four. I, I, I'm not making this up. That's just God. And that is what God will do for you. If you decide to war for your promises, if you war for your words of promise, God will open doors. Why? Because you're sacrificing and you're walking in obedience and you're fighting and you're contending for what God has released into you. And then you're now in your sacrifice, in your obedience, you're now releasing what God has put into you, out of you. And then the angelic responds to that. But saying yes to God doesn't come without tension, without vulnerability, because it's scary. Because if God's, I'm sure, if you've had a really bizarre word for someone, and you're thinking, man, how am I going to deliver this? Because I'm going to look really stupid. <laughs> yeah. It happens, it's happened to me. So saying yes to God makes you, puts you in a vulnerable position. It means that you've got to have faith and trust in what you've heard or what you've perceived or what you've got. But what it does, it brings us closer to God. So I'm using the people that gave prophetic words this morning. In releasing that prophetic word, what you've done, you've drawn nearer to God. That's what you've done. You've showed yourself to be a friend of God because you trust him and there's relationship there because God just doesn't speak to anyone. He speaks to those he loves. So in Hebrews 11.6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. He goes on to say that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's the trade. If you're willing to be vulnerable to God and with God about the things of God, 
He's going to reward you. How he does that? Many different ways. There's no limits on it. But that is what he's going to do. So, um, I'm going to speak about one of my favorite characters in the Bible. One of my favorite people. Um, I'm going to speak about Joshua. And what happened with him. We've got something to get through. So, in, in Joshua 6, um, we've been speaking about Joshua over the last few weeks. Um, and we've been talking about Jericho and what happened at Jericho. And I think that's really significant. And I think it's a real turning point about where we are as this church, but also as the body of Christ. Because I believe that what happened with Joshua is going to happen with us. And that's going to be a big turning point. And it's not about Joshua. Joshua done something that formed the Joshua generation that carried on. So over in Joshua chapter 6... It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. Now what happened is, um, they crossed the Jordan, which was a miracle. And all the other tribes that had got together and that were inhabiting the promised land. So God had made a promise that there would be a promised land flowing with milk and honey. During that time, they were getting manna from heaven every day, which may not have been great getting the same thing every day, but it was provision. And so the, these other nations, um, they were scared because they knew that the Israelites had a God that done miracles. So they secured Jericho to keep the Israelites out. That's why the walls were so thick and that's why they were, that's why they were barred. So no one could go in or go out of Jericho. So the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his king and fighting men. And then he gave Joshua some instructions. He said, March around the city once, will all the armed men do this for six days, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse. We've already been, already been shouting this morning. We've already been clapping this morning. And in our shout, as I said before, there's a frequency that carries instructions. When we clap, when some of you stomp your feet like that, that's an instruction that carries a frequency. In the New Testament, it talks about groaning. Sometimes we don't know what to shout, what to say, so we groan. And the Bible tells us that Holy Spirit understands that. There's a frequency to everything that we do. When God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis, God spoke. So there were instructions in God's voice to create and form. He put that into Adam. So when he said about create, create him in our image, in our likeness, and he gave us eyes mouth, our body, um, that instruction to create was also to function because we can all see each other and we can all hear each other and that took place millions of years ago and God only said it once and we're creating in this likeness and image, that means when we release we can order to do the same 
Adam named the animals millions of years ago. And if you go to the British Museum in London, we've got the name of, let's say, a lion. But it's got the original name of the lion. The word still stands. And so the word for your life still stands. So Joshua was a warrior. He fought. And I looked up some background stuff about Joshua because I was, you know, that's what I do. Um, So Joshua came from a particular tribe. Um, So in 1 Chronicles 7, 25 to 27, um, it says that Joshua came from, he's a son of Nun. He came from the tribe of um, Ephraim. And um, it says that um, Joshua was the son of Nun. It goes on in Chronicles and it says that they were brave warriors, famous. These guys were fierceless. Absolutely fierceless. To be known, you know, some people join the military, the army, um, and they get trained how to fight and defend and do whatever they do. But there's a special group of people called the special forces. In this country, it's called the SAS and some other names. But these are specialist fighters. I would not want to encounter any of these guys on a dark night (laughs) because they are expertly trained in all sorts of skills. Stuff that we can't think of, they know about. This was the background that Joshua came from. But Joshua was a captive in Egypt. So, looking at my understanding of slavery, if you were a fierce fighter, you were punished more because they had to subdue you to get you to conform to the rules of the master. Because if you're a warrior and you fight, you're not going to be taken lightly. You're not going to be taken easily. So they would have been subjected to extreme violence. And the tribe was quite a small tribe in comparison to the others as well. So there wasn't many of them. And they loved fighting so much. If you remember the story of Gideon, so Gideon started with a large army, and then God told him to reduce it down to 300 men, which is pretty scary if you're fighting a large, the Midianites who were known to be fierce. So Gideon reduced it down, but he didn't invite the tribe of Ephraim, who were the wild fighters. The sort of people I would want on my side if, I'm, if I got into a bit of trouble. And they were so angry about it. After the battle with the Midianites, um, they went to, they went to um, Gideon and they backed him up. And they said, hey, what are you playing at? Why didn't he invite us to the fight? We are the warring tribe. That's how fierce they were. So his background, he was a fighter. And many of us, because of our circumstances, we've become fighters. Because we've had to become fighters. Not necessarily by choice. But moving on to Joshua and Moses and their relationship, we know he was born in Egypt. Um, He was a warrior. In Numbers um, 13... It actually says he wasn't originally called Joshua. He was originally called Hosea. 
which means salvation or deliverer. He saves. Now, I believe that was through his fighting capability because he could go out and he can kill lots of people. So therefore, defending and saving those he's protecting, he then becomes their salvation, their deliverer. But Moses had a different perspective on him. And Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means Jehovah saves. It means Yahweh is salvation. And if you go on to Exodus 24, um, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, so he brings Joshua with him, but he also brings the 70 elders. And I'm thinking, what business has Joshua got being with that sort of crowd? But Moses had obviously seen something because he renamed him. And he now had Joshua by his side. It's a bit like what Tom was saying last week about when he was here in the early days. And he would always be following Trevor around doing stuff. Yeah? I believe that's the image I've got of Joshua and Moses. Wherever Moses went... Joshua went. So what would, Moses, what would Joshua have been exposed to? So they got to a point going up to Mount Sinai and um, Moses says to the elders, you guys hang on here. I'm going up further. But Joshua went with him. He went a bit further up. And then at some point, Moses said to Joshua, you stay here, I'm going to the top. And in going to the top, I believe Joshua had a unique perspective of God appearing in his presence in the cloud form, talking to Moses that no one else would have seen. Because the Bible says the rest of the Israelites could see the cloud, but they saw fire. So they thought that God had consumed Moses. That's why they went and built the golden calf. But that wasn't happening. Moses would receive an instruction and Joshua was a witness to this. And I believe that changed things within Joshua because you can't witness the evidence of God, the power of God, and be the same. So Joshua's first battle. So, you know, he's a commander in the army. He's a leader. And over in Exodus 17, um, it says... He had his first battle with the Amicalites, if I pronounced it correctly. And that's where, um, when Moses was up on the mount, and Aaron and her, um, so when Aaron held his hands up, Israel was winning. When he took his hands down, they were starting to get beat up by the other lot. So Moses kept his hand up, he had to sit down, got help from the other two priests, and the battle was won. But over in Exodus 33. Hang on a minute, I've lost in my notes. Over in Exodus, um, what God said to Moses is, write this down on a scroll and read it to make sure Joshua hears it. That's what God said. There you go. The Lord says to Moses, write this on the scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that word remembered is a testimony. Yeah. 
um, and make sure Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name Amalek from under heaven. And I believe what God was doing was making sure, Joshua, you were a great warrior, but you didn't do this. I did it. And I'm going to blot out the name Amalek, not you. And I believe what Joshua would have got from that is I have to depend on this God. I have to depend on this God that I saw appear as a cloud in the mountain. I have to depend on the God that brought us out of Israel, that I saw part the Red Sea just by Moses holding out his hand. He was increasing Joshua's reliance on him. So Joshua knew he couldn't do it in his own strength. As his tribe had done previously and what he would have done previously. I believe it was at that point that Joshua started to become a worshipper. The two things, the two people, the two characters, the two aspects of divinity. You see, they were in the desert and this is before they got to Jericho and they celebrated Passover. Manna was falling and then it stopped. That means God is going to do something else. God is going to do something else. You see, going back to Eden, we were created with worship in us, full worship for God. After the serpent appeared and did what he did, we then had to become warriors because the serpent was now contravening all the things that God had said and done. He was trying to bring humanity onto his side. And what humanity had to do, Adam and Eve, you and me, will start to war for the promise that God has given us. And God has given every one of us an individual promise and promises about our lives and about our futures. And we've got to get it. Sometimes it does creative miracles and things are handed to us. But quite often we've got a war for it. And this may be new for some people because I'm not a fighter. I just, I love to worship. You've got to fight in order to get what's yours. And that is the promises of God. If when we agree with God, with the things he says to us, that's how we get what God has given us. That's how we get what we want. You're very quiet. So, Joshua 5. It says, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, um, they celebrated Passover. Um, I had unleavened bread. They were keeping the promises of God, the things of God, the things, the institutions that God has set up. And then came a man. So Joshua's looking at the wall, the Bible says. And I think he was looking at the wall thinking, how do I get over that? How do I get through that? Because he knew how solid that wall was. 
So I, I, I believe in that moment he was thinking as a warrior. In his own strength, in his own might. Try to come up with ideas. What can I do? I don't know if ladders were invented back then. You know, <laughs> you, you know I, he would have been thinking all sorts of things based upon his warfare strategies from generations previously. Because all of that would have been passed down because it's been taught how to fight. But then a man appears that he doesn't know. So verse 13, chapter 5, he says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? The man replied, Neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. How did Joshua respond? He fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Now, that would be typical to do if you believe you've met an angel. So I think he believed he met an angel at that point. But then the man said this, or the commander of the Lord army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And I believe at that point he realized that he wasn't talking to an angel because you don't worship angels. You only worship the Lord God Almighty. And the, ho the only holy place is his place. So now I believe he's talking to Jesus before Jesus came as Jesus. That was the man who was clothed in battle armor with his sword drawn. While Joshua was looking, Jesus has come alongside him. So Joshua worshipped at that point. So Joshua was in a place of intense battle. The manna has stopped. So he's got to do something. He's the lead army guy. It's on him. There's no food for tomorrow. And he's got, I think, two million people to make sure get fed. That's a big responsibility. So now the warrior is now worshipping. If we go over to chapter 6. So Jesus tells him this is holy ground. He performs an act of worship. And then the Bible says again, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. But then he goes on to say, the Lord said to Joshua, see. So all my life I've been a Christian, I've missed that word. See. Because it's a function, not only of the physical eyes, but of the heart. And I believe what God did in that moment was allow, through Joshua's worship and his time of worship, allowed him to see into heaven. Because that's what worship does. Worship allows you to see, it allows you to hear, it allows you to perceive, it allows you to understand the revelation that God is releasing at that moment in time. And I believe what God did with Joshua was allow him to see. Then God said, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with his king and fighting men. And then God gave him, gave him the instructions of what to do. What was God doing? I believe he was making known the very end from the beginning. And sometimes when we see things, we see the complete picture.
picture and then we think, Lord, how am I going to do that? And the answer is, you're not. God is, but what you have to do is agree with God in order for the angelic presence that's here now to do the instructions that they've been given. And times is you don't need to speak. Sometimes you need to shout. Sometimes you need to clap. Sometimes you need to start your, stamp your feet. Sometimes you just need to say amen because the angels in heaven cry holy, holy, holy and there's no interpretation of that. So in Ephesians 1.8 it says that I pray that the eyes of your heart, not your physical sight, because we are to walk by faith, not by sight. The eyes of your heart will be enlightened. That means the scales, any scales that's there, anything that's blocking the view is taken off and your seeing is clear. And we do that through worship. We do that through what we receive in worship. And that you know the hope That means you understand what you see. You understand the finished work of what Christ is going to do in your life. Because he's called us to that. And he goes on to say that there are riches and glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's in us. So within us there are riches and a glorious inheritance already in us. It's not something that we receive. It's something that we release. Because God has put it inside of us. And he goes on to say, I have delivered Jericho into your hand. In Isaiah 46, God says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. So it's yours for the taking. If you haven't got it, it's going to come. It's yours. It is yours. So in the instructions, God says to walk around silently. His presence is there. The ark is there. The Levites are making noises. They're blowing trumpets. And then on the seventh day, God says, do all these things. And then I want you to release a shout. God says, release a shout. I don't believe that instruction has changed throughout history. I think that instruction still stands today. But what has happened to us, we've allowed walls to keep us confined. We've allowed social conditioning and coercing to keep us. Some of you need to shout. And you're shouting for yourself. You're shouting for your family. You're shouting so sickness will fall off. You're shouting for future generations. You're shouting because you've had depression and you've been worried with all sorts of things. But when you shout, I believe the angelic will respond to that and God's creative miracles will take place in your life. There's a rhythm of heaven. Sometimes we can't understand it. Sometimes it's through music. And we often think it's only music, but it's not. Heaven's a noisy place. And there's angels constantly making noise. So when God is releasing revelation, the angels are taking that 
and things are being deposited in us. So when we access heaven, we are recipients of God's revelation. And sometimes we can't understand what we're saying or what we're doing, but we're doing it because that is what we've received from heaven. Sometimes you're going to groan. Sometimes you're going to cry. There's times you're just going to make really strange noises. But what you are actually doing, you're coming into agreement with heaven. And that's okay. You may look a bit strange if you do it on the bus, on the train. But this is a great place to shout. This is a great place to run around. We sang it in our worship about running around. And in that running, we're releasing. In that running, we're agreeing with heaven. In that shouting, we're releasing what God, the glorious riches and the glorious inheritance that he's put on the inside of us. And what we are doing is what God did in Genesis 1. We are speaking. We are releasing. You know, over in Psalms 19, it talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. How does the sky pour forth speech? To the natural mind, that seems impossible. But the Bible declares that's what the heavens do. That's what the skies do. It's just that we don't understand it because we're not seeing it from a heavenly perspective yet. But I believe today is going to be a breakthrough moment where we are going to start to see, perceive things from heaven that we've never seen before. And when we shout, because we're going to shout. We are going to shout. We're going to shout. And as I said before, if you're not from the UK and you have a different mother tongue, shout in your mother tongue. Do not be confined by social conditioning. Release what God has put on the inside of you so you can release the angels to perform things for you that you cannot do in your own strength. So there's a sound on the inside of you. And we're going to respond with a shout. And in that shout, when you start to see the results, come and give your testimony of what God has done. So we can be proof and evidence to others because that is what God is doing so others who don't know him can get to know him and hear about the miracles that prove that you could not have done it in your own strength and then they get to know about a God that can do things from heaven here on earth in a stranger's life that's why God is blessing us it's because of the testimony that will follow I'm going to ask Richard to come up and Richard's going to release a sound. And in Richard releasing that sound, we're going to join him and stand. And as Richard releases that sound, we're going to shout. Shout whatever you want. Make it something holy. If you want to groan, groan. If you want to clap, clap. If you want to stomp your feet, stomp your feet. Because what we're actually doing is creating and we are releasing a frequency that agrees with heaven. So after we release that sound, the ministry team are going to come forward. And they're going to pray that fear, that we will have the fearlessness of Joshua. And of his background, of his tribe. We are worshippers already. But they're going to pray that that spirit of warring, God's way, is released into you. So when you go back home 
and you think about things, you think about the prophetic word that may have been given to you, that you start to war, you start to receive strategies from heaven. You know, companies pay consultants hundreds and thousands of pounds to help them with their strategy. Because at the head of a company, you normally have a visionary who sees the end from the beginning. They see where they want to go. And the struggle that they have is how do I implement what I've seen? And quite often, they're two different characters that do that. And they pay consultants millions of pounds to come in to receive strategy. Some of you are strategists from God. Some of you have detailed understanding of what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. That needs to be released. So it will bless others and get people from one side of the track to the other. And I believe God is going to do that today. As well as doing creative miracles, he's going to do all sorts of things that I don't even know or understand. But you will know. So ministry stream, when it's time to come forward, come forward. We will be warriors. We will become fearless. That we will continue to ascend in worship. That means as we worship from here, we're going to ascend into the places of heaven. And we are going to see the end from the beginning just as Joshua did. But when we come down back to earth, we're going to be filled with warfare. And we're going to war and win and take the promises of God that he has put on the inside of us. If you desire to enter the new dimensions of God, be fearless and come forward for prayer and watch God work miracles in your life. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.